AM 790 Talk and Business presents Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island with your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Join Bronwyn to hear about the next Water Fire event in downtown Providence, plus other great cultural events happening in the community. Now, here's your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. And hello, 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 and welcome to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM 790, your station for talk and business. We are underwritten by National Grid and sponsored in part by Lifetime Medical. And we're so happy to be here with you every Wednesday from 4 to 5 to take you behind the scenes of Waterfire, let you know what we've got coming up, but also tell you a little bit more about some of the other wonderful uh, cultural attractions that are happening here in Rhode Island. Uh, as many of you know, we often pair up with all sorts of different groups, um, and we love to highlight anybody doing something different uh, that's highlighting culture or just doing something good in general. So uh, here we are, and we've got a great show lined up, and it actually is going to tie into our next big lighting, which is on September 26th, um, where we'll be celebrating the United, the U.S.-China Institute and the Confucius Institute. So Chinese culture at Waterfire, there'll be dragons on the river. And then also we're going to be doing a salute to teachers, uh, which we've done every year almost. And we're going to be saluting our educators here in Rhode Island because, as we know, it's our future is uh, in the hands of those educators and the children and the people that are doing things to make sure that uh, everybody gets a fair and equal education. And it's just going to be a really big, great night. Um, but today what I really wanted to do was talk about some of the wonderful things that are coming up and that are happening uh, culturally and having to do with education next week here in Rhode Island, as well as just uh, an ongoing process with education. But it is my specific pleasure today to uh, welcome Mr. Rod Frazier, who is joining us. And we're going to be talking about the New England Native American Culture Week, which kicks off next week. Uh, it's a whole week of celebrations that starts on Monday. And Rod will tell us a little bit more about that and then culminates in this really beautiful powwow on Saturday. But even more interesting than that, they had this incredible uh, movie that they're going to be showing at Rhode Island College called The Daughter of Dawn, and which is an 80-minute movie, and Rod can tell us more about that uh, when we get him on the air here, but it was kind of lost for a little while, and I think almost a century is what I read, but without further ado, I'm going to introduce my great friend Rod Frazier to the show. Hello, Rod. Hello, Bronwyn. Thank you very much for having me on here. It's a, it's a pleasure. Pleasure it's, to spend the afternoon with you. It's always good to see you. And, you know, I just want to let everybody know, Rod wears many hats. I know that you're yeah. helping with this Native um, American Culture Week, and I know that you have your own history of Native American culture. And can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, my great-grandmother was a uh, Native American Indian, and uh, when I was a, a little boy, um, she was still alive. And after, after I used to get out of school, she used to live in an apartment basically on the way home, and I used to walk back and forth to school, uh, uphill both ways in the snow. <laughs> and uh, on my way home, I used to go over there, and I'd have, uh, I'd go and see her, you know, and she'd have, like, little milk and cookies for me and stuff like that. She used to tell me all stories of back in the day, so to speak, right, when she was a little girl and, and about the family and things like that. So uh, I spent a lot of time with her when I was a kid. And yeah. uh, my grandfather, he's still alive. He's 93. All right. Yeah, so he's still going strong up in Maine. Now, do they, does your grandfather, I mean, did you grow up with being steeped in tradition, essentially, when it came to Native American tradition, or is it more just like oral histories were passed down? Or? Yeah, no, not not really. Um, uh, my my great, 
grandmother, uh, she came from a very large family, and uh, basically they were very poor. Her father worked uh, as a laborer, either like cutting wood or working in a lumber mill or something like that. And um, her mother died very young, so they, they really they were more more uh, interested in you know work and 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 surviving basically yeah. they they didn't live on a reservation or anything like that now interesting my, interestingly my my aunt mary who is my my uncle's wife um she she's uh was born on a reservation in canada and she's 95 she's still alive wow yeah. And do, now, do you participate in a lot of the events that happen here in the whole New England region um, as we celebrate Native American culture? Well, I go to some of them. I go to some of the powwows and uh, uh, as as an observer, right, and watch and talk to some of my friends there and uh, things like that. Yeah. I well, it's, I think it's so interesting because I said Rod wears many different hats, and Rod is. Uh, how long did you serve in the Navy, sir? Uh, a little over 20 years I was in the Navy, yeah. So in the Navy, and then, so you've got this very wonderful um, side of organization. So when I heard that you were helping out with this week and bringing this movie to Rhode Island College, um, it didn't surprise me because you're the one man I know. If there's a job to get done, you're going to get it done, right? That's correct. Actually, uh, I started um, when I found, about, found out about this movie, and uh, to give everybody kind of a background on the movie, Please do. This, this movie, The Daughter of Dawn, is a silent movie. It was filmed in 1920. Um, the Texas Film Company filmed this in the uh, Wichita Mountains of Oklahoma. And they really didn't have much of a budget, so they, they wrote this script. Uh, they had a man who wrote, wrote this script. And they basically asked the Kiowa and Comanche Indians who were living on the reservation there if they would star in the movie. Yeah. And so they had no big stars, right? They, and they had no props, Mm-hmm. And they had no stage or anything like that. So all these uh, uh, Comanche and Kiowa people, they starred in the movie. They brought their own ponies. They brought their own teepees. They brought their own regalia. So when you see the movie, that's not anything that was made in Hollywood, right? Everything in the movie is real. It's their personal belongings. And some of those things are in the Oklahoma Historical Society today. So I mean, th- that's really interesting because everything being authentic, especially when you think of filming in the 1920s and the silent films, they, I don't, do they, they usually, um, even when I think of a lot of the films as we go through to the 70s and 80s, they would hire other actors to play Indians rather than actually, well, yeah, use Native Americans themselves. So what is so special about this movie, or one, it got lost. So how did that happen? Yeah, so this is the first movie ever made. Mm-hmm. That that starred all Native American actors, okay. And one of the things that's interesting is, you know, in order to have star power, if you want to call it that, um, the two people who, two of the people who star in the movie, one is uh, White Parker, mm-hmm. and the other one is Winata Parker. White Parker uh, plays uh, the leading role. Winata Parker, who's his sister, plays a, uh, a supporting role. And they were the children of the Comanche chief Quanah Parker, who. Um, maybe some of some people aren't real familiar with Quanah Parker in history, but um, he led the Comanches in the struggle for many, many years uh, against uh, surrendering and going on the reservation. Eventually, in 1875, they did. Uh, Quanah Parker was interesting in that his mother, her name was Cynthia Ann Parker, and um, the Comanche raided the Parker family uh, farm and ranch in Texas, and they captured Cynthia Ann. She was nine years old. And Comanche, um, one of the things they used to do if they captured children, whether it be white children or children from other 
uh, Native tribes, if young children, they would adopt them and give them and give them to a family. Yeah. And so she basically lived as a Comanche, married a Comanche man, mm-hmm. and had children with him, one being Quanah Parker, and she lived with the Comanches for 24 years. Wow. And now, yeah. I know that part of the, so some of the family is going to be here for the screening of the film, right? Correct. So uh, we, we've got two guests coming out here for the screening of the film, Ronald Parker and Don Allen Parker, yeah. who are the great-grandsons of Quanah Parker. Uh, really interesting guys. They're coming out here from Cash, Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, they're bringing their regalia, so they're going to wear, wear their regalia at the film. Um, they'll, they'll, will, they'll be at the powwow on Saturday. They'll be wearing their regalia for that. Um, but the film is more than just a film. Um, as, as you had mentioned, it, it's a short film. It's 80 minutes. The film uh, was only shown a few times in uh, 1920 and possibly 1921, mm-hmm. and then it basically disappeared. And they estimate that all the silent films that were made worldwide, only about 15% of them actually are still around. Wow, that's it? Yeah. That's so this cool. film... Um, there was a private investigator who had done some work for a guy, and the guy couldn't pay him, so he gave him a six, gave him a, gave him a fil- film, said, "Here, you can have this film as partial payment." Mm-hmm. And he didn't really know what it was, and he, so he, the guy told him, so he contacted the Oklahoma Historical Society, and they purchased it from him, and then they, they, um, uh, they had the complete film, and this was uh, about three or four years ago, and they refurbished the film and put it into different formats. And they hired this uh, Comanche uh, composer named David Yeagley mm-hmm. to write the musical score for the movie. So not only is it the first movie starring all Native actors, but it's the first movie that was completely scored by a Native American Indian composer. So it's pretty interesting. Well, absolutely. And I, again, I think it will take us back in history because of its authenticity. When you look at, again, bringing their own ponies and uh, the actors that are in it and all of their own props, or we'll put props in air quotes there because they're not really props. Right, they're not. Um, but that's that's fascinating. When exactly is the movie being screened? It's going to be shown um, Thursday, mm-hmm. right, which is September 26th, I think, right? 24th. 24th. Yeah, September 24th, Thursday, September 24th, at Rhode Island College at the Student Union. And joining us and the Parker, uh, the two Parker brothers, are um, the tribal leaders from the area tribal nations. Mm -hmm. And after the movie, there's going to be a panel discussion about Native American issues. Not about the film, but about Native American issues. And these leaders... Uh, like, for example, uh, Cedric Cromwell, who's a leader of the Mashpee uh, Wampanoag Nation, right? Yeah. And then we have uh, Matthew. And we're on the Wampanoag Trail right now. Right. And right. we have uh, <laughs> Matthew Thomas, uh, who is the sachem of the Narragansett Nation. He'll be there as part of that uh, discussion. Um, Lance Gums, who uh, was uh, former uh, chairman of the Shinnecock Nation. Rodney Butler is a chairman of the Mashantucket uh, Pequot Nation. Yeah. Um uh, well, I mean, it's Billy a guy who's a, uh, a, another local tribal leader. Uh, he's a, a leader of the Poconoke Nation. So all these guys are also coming, and they're going to, along with the Parker brothers, have a panel discussion where they'll take questions from the audience yeah. about issues facing uh, Native American people today. Now, being part of this group that's um, been working on putting this week together and bringing this film to um, Rhode Island College and to anybody who wants to come see it, right? Is this free, by the way? It's free and it's open to the public. So free and open to the public. What do you think some of the major issues are that Native Americans are facing today? Do you know? Is there conversations that you have? Yeah, there's a lot, but I I think, you know, 
I think the tribal leaders are, are best equipped because yeah. they deal with that every single day to discuss these issues yeah. and talk about them. And that's why we ask them to come and have this conversation as part of New England Native American Culture Week. Yeah. And, you know, they can talk into the details because they live it every day, right? Um, but but there's, just, there's a lot of stuff, especially, um, you know, we think of... Uh, Native American peoples in casinos, that's a very small portion, right, of Native American people uh, live on a reservation as a casino, right? Everybody else, they're like like you and I, right? They're all trying to find work. Uh, there's, there's a lot of struggles that they have daily, uh, loss of culture, things like that. Well, that's, but, yeah, that's what I You think. know, we want those guys to get in there and talk about it because they're the experts on that. Well, and this is a whole week celebration, as we were right. saying. So what are the other parts of the celebration? So on Monday, there's a kickoff you were telling me about? Yes, there is. And, um, you know, Rhode Island College has a, a, a couple of events on campus on, on Monday and Tuesday. The big events, Thursday, the movie, and then Saturday, the big drum powwow, which is um, uh, in Providence right along uh, the river there at the Roger Williams Roger uh, National Williams. Memorial Park. Yeah, exactly. There, right? And then you can come down to Waterfire. You can walk right, right down to Waterfire at the end. Yep. Um, the two Parker brothers uh, will be at the powwow, and then they're going to come join you at Waterfire. Now, is that free? And that's free and open to the that's public That's free and as open well. to the public also. I think what an incredible learning experience for people to, you know, get immersed, hear a little bit more about our history, because I don't believe that the history has ever been written very quick, very correctly, or that when I was growing up, I remember reading or Howard Sin's the, was the History of America, where somebody actually talked about what the Native American experience was rather than just that thought of it being a Thanksgiving dinner that right. some of us grew up with. So I love the thought that we'll be able to spend a week and find out more about Native American culture. And, you know, it's so fascinating to me because even at Waterfire, we have most of our volunteers will ask to be smudged. We've got one of the chiefs of one of the uh, local tribes that smudges people and which is supposed to clear the air and for good spirits and everything like that. Um, but anything else that we really want to say about this movie, because it just sounds fascinating to me. And again, a trip back in history and what an educational uh, opportunity for people. Yeah, and I, I think a couple of key points here on the movie, and I really want to stress to everybody, if you can come out on Thursday night, next Thursday night, to the student union at Rhode Island College for this movie, it's quite fascinating. And a lot of people have never seen a silent film. And uh, when we showed it to the faculty members over at Rhode Island College, they, they were blown away at how uh, how interesting this movie is. It's a story of love. It's a story. It's just, it's actually a movie, not a documentary, right? So uh, they actually have a, a buffalo hunt in the movie with the buffalo that lived out there, right? Yeah. And and you can see the horsemanship. And some of the things that I kind of pointed out to people was, you know, this film. This was filmed in uh, 1920. Up until 1875, right? The Comanche was still fighting uh, the U.S. government. Mm -hmm. So when you see this movie and you look at all the tribal elders. Uh, you know, that are probably in their 60s, maybe in their 70s. These guys probably fought the cavalry, right? They probably fought other tribes. They probably raided other tribes. Yeah. Uh, they lived off the land, right? So they, they had extremely interesting lives, right? And you think about uh, what what these guys saw in that, that period of time. That's pretty interesting. But it's a great story also, and you really, the time goes by so quickly, and the musical score is fascinating And it's a love to. story? It's a love story, I don't want to spoil the whole thing. So the main characters, right, is uh, White Parker plays White Eagle, mm -hmm. the good guy, right? <laughs> and another actor plays um, 
Black Wolf, mm-hmm. the bad guy, mm-hmm. right? And they're both they're both in love with the daughter of Dawn, who's the daughter of the uh, of the uh, Kiowa chief, right? So, and they're both vying for her um, affections. And then Winata Parker plays uh, Red Wing, who is vying for Black Wolf's affection, right? So that's part of it. And there's, uh, uh, aside from Buffalo Hunts, there's uh, traditional dance, there's uh, a raid on another tribe. There's just all interesting things as part of this movie. And I can't wait to hear the musical score. That's yeah, it's really, along the, with it. uh, that's... David Eagle did a great job. Uh, unfortunately, um, God rest his soul, he passed away last year from cancer right after mm-hmm. he finished this, but uh, d- definitely did a fantastic job scoring the movie. And, and I really can't really overemphasize the importance of having these tribal leaders come up here uh, take you know they run tribal nations it's, you know mm-hmm. these guys are very busy people right mm-hmm. if, if you think about all that they get going on and uh, they take time out of their day to come up here and not only you know meet the Parkers and watch the film but then entertain questions and discuss things that are facing Native Amer- American people today and in the future uh, with everybody who comes to the movie so um, I can't overemphasize what an educational experience that is, because now you're talking about guys who live it every day, right? Mm -hmm. You're not talking about some professor who read some books about Native American culture or or history and then stands up in a classroom and kind of tells you about what they read or or they did a camping trip or something, right? These are guys who every day, day in, day out, they're dealing with real issues um, with their people, with local government, with federal government, and all the, and, and, and trying to work all that stuff out. Well, I know that we're going to have it on the Waterfire website, uh, more information about this. It's also going to go up on the Facebook page. There is a Facebook event also. Yeah, so can you tell us where to go for that? Or? So, yeah, if you go on Facebook and just type in uh, Rhode Island College, Daughter of Dawn, take it right to the Facebook page. Yep. There's some videos on there, a video uh, interview with David Yeagley. Nice. Uh, a video about the movie with some clips. Great. Okay, and all the information is there. Well, I hope that everybody, uh, if you are available on Thursday, you take the time to go do this and check out all the other things that are happening during the week. Really fascinating. And Rod, thank you so much for helping to coordinate this amazing event. And um, it's just always great to see you. Well, thank you for having me. I, I enjoyed uh, being on your show, and I hope to see you next Thursday. Yeah. Yes, and I'd I like hope to see, see you, you next Thursday, Saturday. my friend, <laughs> at uh, Rhode Island College at the Student Union at uh, six. The movie uh, it'll be five o'clock to six. It'll be like some everybody will be there socializing, and then the movie will kick off at six o'clock, six p.m. Excellent. Hope to see both of you there. All right, everyone. We've been talking to Rod Frazier and uh, about the Daughter of Dawn. Sounds like an incredible movie. Uh, You've been listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business. We'll be right back. And hello, 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 and welcome back. You are listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business. And boy, we just had a great conversation with Rod Frazier about the upcoming week that they're going to be celebrating the New England Native American Cultural. Uh, it's that's the name of it, the New England Native American Cultural Week. And um, but great things happening. This phenomenal movie from 1920s uh, called Daughter of Dawn. And so uh, if you missed any of this, go to the Waterfire website afterwards and you can hear the interview with Rod. Lots of uh, very interesting uh, things are discussed there. And I think everyone's going to really want to go see that film. But now I want to jump into a, a conversation with my friend Arnell Milhouse, who is one of my favorite people. 
has been a supporter of Water Fire for a long time through, one, something called the Butter Day Spa, and that's a place where I go to get buttered. Right. They have the best massages, the best facials. It's in this beautiful Victorian right in Providence. And you feel like when you walk in, you're walking into home. So that's my little plug because he's been a great sponsor of mine and also just a great guy. And he and his wife are just two of the nicest people you ever meet. And so it never surprised me when I went in to go get buttered one day and Arnell came up to me and Arnell said, I'm doing this thing called Intracity Geeks. And I was like, what is that, Arnell? And um, without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Arnell Milhouse, and I'm going to let him explain the good work that he's doing here in Rhode Island. And uh, yeah, so Arnell, how are you? I'm amazing. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I think I need to go get buttered pretty soon, but I- I'm good. Good. I know the owners. Let's yeah. go right after this. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I really want to focus on, as mm-hmm. I was saying um, when you came into the studio, we have a very large focus on teachers happening yes. at the September 26th fire. And the interested in geeks um, just seems to fit right in there. And it fits in also with your spirit of wanting to do things for inner city kids. But, all right, tell me what interested in geeks is really all about. What is it? Intercity Geeks is, it's me reliving my life, my youth, my experience through poverty, and my path out of poverty into the middle class and into business ownership, into success, and trying to spread that opportunity to as many people as I can throughout this country, but at a much more rapid rapid pace and at a larger scale. So essentially, I mean, and that so that's where this passion is to yes. go in and mm-hmm. help people to grow and to learn because, as we know, yes. education is the key to yes. getting ahead in life. No matter at what age you decide to either go back to school, but we hope to teach our, our kids well starting now and give everyone the same opportunity. Correct? Absolutely. So starting with that concept, for me, computer technology and education really lifted me and was, has been able to lift my entire family. And right now in this country, there are 500,000 open yet unfillable computer technology jobs for Americans. And we don't have enough people to fill these roles and fill these positions. And by the year 2020, that number is going to balloon to 1 million unfillable and open. And all these jobs pay between 50000 and $300,000 a year. Yeah. So a couple of things are happening. Similar to the model of this show, how it's Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island. Our goal at Intracity Geeks is to ignite an unprecedented era of economic growth. We want to spur economic growth. What a brilliant idea. And again, I love the way that you are focusing on making it accessible to everybody. So when did you start this whole process? So it's interesting. I, I was blown away that you remember that exact conversation that we had last year. Mm-hmm. And But we kicked off officially on January 21st of this year. And when you say kick off, what what is it that you did? Did you go into schools and okay. seek out children, or well, how, yes. how how does this process so work? So it started with us teaching an after school computer programming class at Nathan Bishop Middle School on the East Side, mm-hmm. and we had about 30 students in that first course in that first class, and the school department was kind of tentative. They weren't sure if the students were going to embrace it, but they loved it, and it spread. Throughout the entire school, more students were saying, hey, I want to sign up for this class. I want to sign up for this class because we're teaching the rigor. We're teaching computer science concepts and algorithmic thinking. Mm -hmm. But 
we're using games like Angry Birds yeah. to do it. And they all, they're all interested in Angry Birds, but now they get to do the engineering teardown to see how it actually works. And the other thing that's so cool about this is that everything that we're doing, it really maps to the common core yeah. standards. So whether it's literature or reading, they're reading uh, rigorous materials. They have to learn scientific terminology, and they learn coding, and they learn programming, and these are things. And now that they're going home, they're learning how also how to build websites. So they're going home, and they're getting on their computer saying, Mom, look what I can do. I can create an Angry Birds game where I can create a website. And then the parents are also coming up. They're coming after school, mm-hmm. and they're sticking around. They're saying, they're saying, hi, Mr. Milhouse, I wanted to stop and say thank you so much for what you're doing because my child is engrossed. They are completely taken away by this now, and they can see the impact that it's already having well, in their lives. Can you think of anything better than seeing somebody just lit up with excitement about yes. learning? Yes. And that's what you're providing. And, I mean, come on, didn't President Obama just do, uh, recognize you? Yes, and we were we were blown away. We did not think that we were going to get selected because we were such a young program, probably six months old at the time. And so we got an email from the White House saying, we've heard about your program. Did you think it was spam when it came through? At first I did. Okay. I said, okay, <laughs> this is this cannot be legit. But being a hacker, I went in, I checked the SMTP routers Everybody, on the email. Everybody, a hacker. He just admitted it. <laughs> well, a good hacker. They're good hackers. And like, this is the Wizard of Oz, right? I got it. We're wearing the white hats. And, you know, so it was really a great honor to be recognized by the president and by the White House for our works. Yeah. And after the Nathan Bishop program, we were contacted by Mayor Elorza here in Providence. He and Nicole Pollock, they were wondering if we had any ideas for the city that we could contribute. And so we recommended that, A, he learn how to code, mm-hmm. and that we open up City Hall and we invite as many people as we can fit into City Hall to come and learn how to code along with the mayor. And we call that program code night with the mayor mm-hmm. takes place once a month yep. the second monday of every month and to our surprise over 40 people showed up for the first one wow the second one it was 30 plus the last one it was 50 plus yep and that's been an amazing vehicle now that's targeting adults mm-hmm. so 18, this isn't just for children what, what's the age range between it started off with 18 mm-hmm. through 100 yeah we have some veterans that have been coming out. We have a gentleman who's a former Marine, yeah. served in Vietnam. He's learning. And now some of the interesting things, the parents are beginning to bring their children to it as well. So it's really in an, an environment that's social, mm-hmm. where people are learning to code, and you can see the bonds and connections that are being made. Our goal here in Rhode Island, we want to inspire around 200 to 300 new web developers, computer programmers over the next 12 months. And let's keep them in the state and keep them in the state. And they, they're going to stay here because they are they live here. And the other aspect of what we're doing, and this dovetails into another project that we have coming up, it's the first inaugural hackathon for Providence. It takes place the first weekend of November. Okay, what's a hackathon? A hackathon is a 24 or 48-hour event where people come together to create apps, programs, in a setting Sometimes without sleeping, mm-hmm. 
for that 48-hour program, 48-hour period, and then they are judged. We have judges from different companies. The mayor is a judge, and our theme is live, work, and play. Yeah. And so people are creating programs that help make Providence a better place to live, a better place to work, and a better place to play. That is Water Fire's motto as well. Did you know that? Ah. Uh-huh. So we're going to have a water fire element, I think, that in this hackathon. All right, and so when again, how do people get involved? Or So people are going to be able to go to hackpvd.com, okay. and it takes place the first weekend of November, November 6th, 7th, and 8th. The 6th is a Friday night, and mm-hmm. it's, there's a mixer where people get to meet each other, socialize, have some hors d'oeuvres and drinks and food, and then the true hacking begins Saturday morning through Saturday evening, and then Sunday morning through Saturday evening, Sunday evening. That's very cool. So we've got the coding with the mayor. You've got the hackathon coming up. Um, what are the other programs that are happening on a consistent basis? And again, how how can somebody? Um, you know, it might be intimidating even for somebody like mm-hmm. me. I know how to get into my Gmail account. Yes. And I know how to do Excel and some of those other database things. But mm-hmm. that's about it. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it seems like it's something that's very hard to pick up and very hard mm-hmm. to learn. So. If I decide that I want to do it, Arnold, do I need my own computer? Do I go to you t- with my own computers? And or do I... All you have to do is go to intracitygeeks.org, and you'll see a list of the different programs that we have that we're making available, and you'll be able to go to one of the, the program that you feel most comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about Code Night with the Mayor is that there are people from all walks of life and our focus really is we're inclusive. It's inclusive entrepreneurship as well. And there are women, people of color. It's such a great melting pot of people beginning. And you can see the bonds of even businesses are beginning to form out of these these events that we're doing. Well, this is what I think is beautiful just about you as a person. And it, and it really shows through with how you've put this together. And you said it yourself. It's social it's something that's also, you're teaching somebody how to fish, mm-hmm. you know, which yes. I think is one of the most Absolutely important most things important that things. we can do. And adding some diversity. So it's mm-hmm. everybody coming together. It doesn't matter who you are, how old you are. Yes. But I do, one of the things, again, that really hits me is I love the idea that for some people, um, they don't have enough money. This this knowledge isn't accessible. Yes. And so to be able to do that mm-hmm. um, and to be able to bring that out into the streets to me and, and yes. give somebody the opportunity to have a leg up. Yeah. And as you said, this you're, it's fed by your passion, by your history and, and what you've learned. Thank you. So do you have like a favorite kind of um, event that you do with the... Well, there are two more things that we're launching, that okay. we're working on. And then I'll be able to answer that question by the tail end of that. But number one, at the high school level, we're moving into high schools for the first time. Last year, we worked exclusively with middle schools at the high school level. And I'm really grateful to Brown University because all of our employees, the majority of them are from Brown, computer mm-hmm. science majors and other majors that are filling various roles throughout the organization. But at the high school level, we're going to be teaching a course from Harvard University called CS50, which is their introductory computer science course. Mm-hmm. So our high school students are going to graduate our Intercity Geeks boot camp 
with a, an official certificate with the Harvard logo and a stamp of approval signed by a Harvard professor. See, now, how cool is that to put on one's resume and just yes. to even to boost your confidence, yes. you know, and, and bring it to the next level. And to bring that home and hang that on their wall yep. and their parents can see that, okay, wow, my son completed a, a Harvard-level course. That is really awesome. Well, Arnell, I, I'm sorry that we don't have more time to talk about this, but I'll bring you on before your hackathon and we'll start talking about that awesome. a little bit more. Love but to. Thank, thank you. you so much for everything you. that you do. And anybody, again, go to the Waterfire website um, and you can go to radio at Water fire.org and all of the information on how to get to intercity geeks will be there there'll be a link there and again thank you for just being such a good man and doing incredible works everyone you're listening to am 790 your station for talk and business when we get back i'm gonna have to keep my mouth pretty shut because my friend eric Auger from 1031 productions is coming on to talk about a great event that's happening this weekend um and that 1031 is participating in and so we'll be back Back in a second. And hello, 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 and welcome back. You are listening to AM790. Uh, your station for talk and business, and Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. I'm Bronwyn Dannenfelser, your host. And boy, I have had just two incredible men on the show. Um, Arnell Milhouse and the Intercity Geeks. Unbelievable. And Rod Frazier telling us about a little bit of, about what we can see this week coming up um, at Rhode Island College Thursday. Be There or Be Square, Daughter of Dawn. Incredible movie. Um, there's going to be lots of information out of that on our Facebook page. But now I would like to bring on to the show... A very near and dear friend of mine, and many of you will know him or more his characters because you see them in Memorial Park at every water fire. It's usually the gargoyles or the beautiful marble muses that will hand you those lovely fortunes. And I always seem to get a good fortune. So, Eric Auger, are you there? Are you on the line? I am. How are you, my friend? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm so glad. Well, first, I want to thank you for all of the work that you did at the Fireball, which for anybody who was not there and didn't know about it, the Fireball was our very big fundraiser. Um, if you don't know, Waterfire has a building, and we need to raise a lot of money for it. And so we held a big fundraiser in the building, had a lot of people there. And 1031 and your company, Eric, um, just really knocked it out of the park with statues of Buddha and, you know, the wine. <laughs> Wine God Bacchus and the woman we called Wynette, which we thought was kind of a good name, you know, for her. I got to give that credit to Kibby Riley. She came up with that. Um, but we had the butterflies and the gargoyles. So you guys are always so involved um, in doing these just beautiful things. And can you tell people, because I was telling our guests here in the studio today, where the name 1031 came from? Well, it's obviously the name of everyone's favorite holiday, mm. Halloween. So we took. The, the date of October 31st and incorporated it into our our identity. And uh, my business partner, Joe Perry, and I, obviously, it's our favorite day of the year. So hence the name 1031. And I know that you came down to Waterfire and got yes. involved in Waterfire on 1031. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it was, it was really good. We did it really on a whim, uh, just for fun. And uh, Barnaby was... Uh, gracious enough to come over to us and say, I love what you're doing. We just need to find the perfect place for you to do what you're doing. And that was really the the catalyst of what started 1031 Productions. And 
15 years later, we're we're still going strong. So we thank Barnaby and Waterfire and everyone and all the public, you know, for supporting us for all these years. Well, and I say that, that that's a little bit of an understatement when you say going strong. I know that you've been down to the White House, that you keep expanding, <laughs> that you've got a great new space. Um, but what I want to talk about, because I don't know how much time we'll have here, Eric, and I'm definitely yeah. having you and Joe um, Perry back on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Because I want to talk about all of these new things that, I mean, I know that you've got people coming in and visiting mm-hmm. your studio, and mm-hmm. I still am waiting waiting for you to dress me up as the mermaid. I'm, oh, my God. I, mean, I want well, to be the mermaid. Tell me when. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm coming in, and I want to be the mermaid, and maybe, you know what, I'll call in sick to work that night at Waterfire, <laughs> and I'll just show up at, the, you know, the memorial monument there and oh my God. freak everybody out. What do you think? Yes, and we, if we do it, we have to use your real hair because it is so extraordinary. <laughs> Thank you, my dear. <laughs> well, listen, I know, again, as I was saying, you do such wonderful work um, with so many groups. You donate so much. You're going to be donating a statue for our Salute to Veterans on November 7th. Yep. But you've got a really big event coming up. Let us hear about it. We do. In a nutshell, um, it's called New Life. It's an inspirational day of art, which uh, showcases dance, performance art, and traditional uh, art like painting on canvas. Um, we have a full day's worth of events starting at our studio at 185 Front Street. Um, this is this Saturday. From 11 to 1, we have our open studio where people can come in, see, uh, see what our studio is all about, and also see performers getting ready uh, for the show that starts at 1 p.m. over at 67 Park Place in Pawtucket at the Samaritans of Rhode Island. Uh, we're going to be having a two-hour performance uh, from 2 to 4 of our living statues. Um, at 4 o'clock, we're going to be having a metamorphosis performance, which is our new dance company, which we started last year. Yeah. And then at 5.30 is the opening of actually my new exhibit, which is um, a series of butterfly paintings. Oh, uh, very cool. Yeah. yeah. Wait, so now, is this, and this is a fundraiser, right, for the Samaritans? or? Well, it's... It, Yes, it's kind of a little bit of everything. It's really, um, it's about um, inspiring people in general, but mainly youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up, I, I used my artwork as a coping mechanism to deal with, with personal pain, and it's, it's really important, I think, that teenagers really are inspired and can be um, motivated by ideas and imagination to create artwork because making art is one of the most cathartic things that you can do. It really puts you in a very peaceful and positive place. Yeah, I and, agree. And working with Denise Peniches, um, the executive director for the Samaritans of Rhode Island, we kind of came up with an idea of creating a whole day's worth of inspiration to really, and again, you know, people, the, the general public, but also um, especially for, for younger, um, younger teens and kids to really inspire them to get involved. I think that's great, you know, and it reminds me of what we were just talking to my friend Arnell Milhouse about, and you know, getting getting that that excitement and that education and really finding like these different ways to express oneself. And, you know, I just love you guys so much. So, Eric, if right. people want more information, I know that we're going to have it on the Waterfire website, yeah. but is there a website that we can send people to or that you can yeah. tell people about? Yes, absolutely. They can go to the Samaritans of Rhode Island website. They can go to uh, 1031's Facebook page um, and uh, my website as well, which is ericjoj.com. 
Um, and they can call me, 401-241-5937. I'd be glad to talk about it. That's awesome, Eric. Well, <laughs> listen, it's been great talking to you, my friend, and I'm I wishing you a great event. I know it's going to be fantastic. And then I will see you and all of our listeners, hopefully down by the Riverside on September 26th. Get ready. Dragons on the River. All sorts of craziness. Um, You've been listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.